The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Aside from this show, I have another podcast called Love and Abuse about navigating the difficult relationship over at loveandabuse.com. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you learn to deal with difficult people and tackle life's challenges without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. So glad you are here for another show. I am on my 10th year. Yeah, this is the 10th year that I've been doing The Overwhelmed Brain. Hard to believe, but uh, if this is your first time... I've got about 10 years of material you can listen to if you like what you hear. <laughs> if you don't, uh, go to my other podcast, Love and Abuse at loveandabuse.com or listen to an episode that applies to you. If you go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on all episodes, you will have a little search field there and you can search for anything that you're dealing with. But today, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about this in the entire episode, but I did get an email a while back that um, this person went through or she started a relationship with this guy and they had some different values and they thought or she thought it was exclusive and then he didn't and then he ended up kissing a girl somewhere and he said I thought we weren't exclusive and they went back and forth and she broke up and then she said okay I forgive you let's get back together and uh, he's, he said, okay, great. I don't, I'll, I'll never talk to that girl again. I'm all about you. And I'm definitely exclusive with you. I want to be in a relationship with you and you alone. Let's do this. So he committed. He fully committed. And now they have a better understanding. And I don't know the truth of the whole story if he really did think they were not exclusive or whatever. But um, now apparently he's all in. He's totally head over heels. And uh, she can't get over that time that he kissed that girl. She found out through social media because she posted this picture online to, I guess, make her boyfriend jealous. If you're the person who sent me this letter, yes, I know it's a pretty old letter. But I want to talk about this subject and I hope you're okay now. Thank you for sharing all that that you sent me. But um, I want to talk about this because it's important to get past some obsessive thoughts that we can have. And I've talked about obsession at least two or three times. I have uh, several episodes dedicated to obsessive thoughts. And obsessive thoughts are one of the very most difficult uh, challenges to deal with, to get past. For me too. I mean, not my obsessive thoughts, but when I used to help clients with their obsessive thoughts or people that write in. They say, I'm obsessed, and no matter what I tell them, what suggestion I make, what uh, process or method I give them to help them get over it, 
It doesn't matter. They're obsessed. They can't stop thinking about the thing they're thinking about. And so I came up with what I believe to be the final episode about obsession because it's so hard to talk about. And these are all my thoughts on obsession. And I think I called it like tackling obsession once and for all. You can find that uh, at theoverwhelmedbrain.com and uh, listen to that. That'll be helpful for you if you have obsessive thoughts. Regarding this person who wrote, she said, okay, we got back together. I love him. This is great. This is what I wanted. But I can't stop thinking about that one kiss. He said that it was just a kiss. We were friends and she was trying to make her boyfriend jealous and it's no big deal. But um, now that we're exclusive and we're not going to have an open relationship, we're not going to go date other people. I'm all about you. And she believes him. So I have to believe her that she believes him because uh, I don't know the whole story. But this is what I have. This is a person that's committed to her and says, I'm all about you. And she even admitted to looking through his phone because uh, several months after after they were together, she got paranoid and looked through his phone and didn't find anything, felt guilty about it, admitted it to him, and he was disappointed and she was disappointed in herself. And it's been plaguing her for like day after day. She just can't stop thinking about that one kiss that he had with a girl. Why didn't, I mean, this is her thought, why didn't uh, he think of me? Why didn't he want to tell me about it? Why this? Why that? All these questions came to her mind. Did he really feel for her? Did he go any further with her? And she believes he didn't go any further with her, but this is obsessive thinking. She just can't stop thinking about it. And where I go when it comes to obsessive thinking is you have to find closure of some sort. You, you just have to find an end point. You have to find a resolve. If you're obsessively asking yourself questions, you have to get to the point where it's resolved in your head. Otherwise, you keep thinking about it. When you don't have closure, you will keep thinking about it and you will keep obsessing about it. Unless you're one of those people who can move forward without closure. I had to do that myself. I, I was stuck in obsessive thinking about the beginning of life and the universe. <laughs> I mean, I used to be. I used to think about it all the time. Well, everything has a beginning, right? You open a book, it has a first page, it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. This is the cycle of life and the cycle of existence. And so I used to think, well, what happened before the Big Bang? And then some people would say, well, God is always here. Well, what happened before God? Well, God always existed. Well, how does that work? Because my brain cannot wrap around the concept of something not having a beginning. And I just kept thinking about it and kept thinking about it. And it would, again, that word plague, it plagued me. It was an existential crisis. <laughs> and I uh, couldn't stop thinking about it. Until one day, I decided I absolutely needed closure. And my closure came in the form of accepting that I will never know everything I want to know. It sounds like a simple thing to say, and it probably is a very difficult thing to apply. But I decided that I was either going to go crazy answering an impossible question, impossible to me at least, it's an impossible question to answer, 
So I said, well, I need to be comfortable. I need to be okay moving forward, knowing that I will never, ever know everything I want to know. And that gave me closure. It gave me peace. It liberated me from the obsessive thinking. And once I decided that I will never know everything I want to know, it freed me from other questions that I had as well. Well, what if uh, your ex cheated on you? Have you ever thought of that? What about that time she went out that night and and came home late with that guy or she was out with that guy or her friends or whatever? doesn't matter. It's in the past and I'll never know. Should I seek out the answer? Will it make me happier knowing that maybe she did cheat? Am I going to waste my time doing that? It's not worth it. Because now is today. Today is the present. The present leads into the future and the past doesn't exist. It's gone. That's where I want to start with this person who wrote. The past doesn't exist. It's gone. Your memory of the past exists, but the past is no longer. It's just not here. And because it doesn't exist, what you're doing is keeping it alive by exploring it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. And I'm not saying it's easy to stop thinking about it. I'm just saying, let's start here. Let's start with the idea or the reality that the past doesn't exist And all we have is our memory or our interpretation of the past. And we keep it alive by asking questions and constantly exploring it. And again, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying let's just start here so we know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with something that no longer exists, yet we're keeping it alive. When we keep something alive in the past, we're looking in the rearview mirror as we're driving. It's okay to look in the rearview mirror mirror to make sure that nothing's going to come up really fast and hit you in the back, (laughs) hit you in the rear end, but uh, it's not okay to stare at it. It's not okay to look at it constantly because you're going to miss what's right in front of you. And sometimes we have a really good thing right in front of us that we are missing out on and taking away from us and taking away from it, if it's a person taking away from them, our presence. And so when we stare into the past and we think about the past and we worry about the past, what we're doing is worrying about something that doesn't actually exist and there's nothing we can do about it. Now the obsessive thinking comes uh, with the thought that there is something we can do about it and that we need to know I need to know what happened so I can get closure, so I can feel better, so I can what? Blank. (laughs) What is the fill in the blank here? I need to know so I can feel better. And this is where if I have obsessive thoughts, like thinking that I want to know something that I'll never know the answer to, I might ask myself or I would challenge myself with A question like, if I found out that it was blank, how would that make me feel? So something like that. If I found out that it was true, how would that make me feel? And then the follow-up, what would I do about it? So in this person's case, 
let's just say that she asked that question. If I found out that he really enjoyed that kiss, how would I feel about it? And what am I going to do about it? That's an important question. I think it's important to challenge yourself and go through the motions of finding out maybe what you don't want to know. Just push it forward. <laughs> Take the past, push it forward, and ask yourself, okay, I found out that not only did they kiss, but they had sex. How does that make me feel? And what am I going to do about it? I think part of obsessive thinking is that we only go so far with our questioning. We only go so far with our exploration of what we are stuck on, what we are in a rut with this excessive thinking on. And we get stuck because we don't take it to the limit. We don't take it to the worst case scenario. We ask ourselves maybe, what if they had sex? What if they loved each other? What if something else? What if they've been seeing each other for a year? And we ask all these questions and make up all these scenarios, most of which are probably not true and maybe nothing is true, but we force this negativity into our subconscious mind and make it real because we're trying it on. Because if this woman who wrote thinks that they did something more than kiss, then she's going to start filling her head with all this negative imagery. And that negative imagery is going to feel real because she played it out, even though that may not have played out or it may have. But I like to take things to the worst case scenario because we start obsessing about things when we don't finish our thought. And what I mean by that is, I mean, this is one way we obsess about things. What I mean by that is we get stuck on the idea that something might have happened, but we never go into the, uh, the concept of what if it did happen, what would I do? Because that's an important question, right? What if it did happen? What would I do? What would I say? I mean, and she wrote to me in her email, she said that she gets upset with him and this can happen like week after week and they've been together for months and months now. At least that's what she wrote at the time. They've probably still together for years now. Hopefully she's gotten over this. But if she is in this space where she thinks that something else might have happened and she never pushes herself forward to think what else could have happened and then if it did happen, how do I feel about that and what do I do about it? Then she may get stuck. And that's where obsessive thinking starts is when you get stuck because you don't know. I don't know and I'll never know. And it's, I'm going to obsess about this because I, I, I'll never know. But what if I told you, or let's get to closure really quick. What if I told you that not only did they kiss, but they both enjoyed it and they wished it was more. But then when the weekend was over, he realized that that was dumb because he really likes you and he would rather be with you. And then he forgot all about her and he moved on. What if that's true? What if he really enjoyed it? What are you going to say? What are you going to do? How do you feel? Explore those thoughts and feelings. What are you going to do now? Let's just say that that happened. Are you going to go up to him and say, you lied to me. You said you didn't enjoy it. And then you're going to have some big argument and it'll probably lead to a breakup because he's already forgotten about it 10 times over and you're bringing it up. 
that could happen. Is that what you want to happen? Do you want the stress of all this negativity to come up when the past no longer exists? And, you know, let me preface everything else I'm going to say with the thought that he has already committed to you. He has already committed to you. And from what you told me in your message, he seems faithful. And he even like deleted this other person's contact information and you've already gone through his phone. You've already proven to yourself that he's not thinking about her anymore not contacting her. She's basically somebody that happened in the past and it's possible he enjoyed the kiss. It's possible it was just a friendly kiss. It's po There's a, a million things that are possible. The idea is to get yourself into a place that when you find out exactly what it is, what do you do then? Because if you found out that he did enjoy it, does that mean you're going to break up? I think it's important to get very clear. What if you say, um, well, if, if he did enjoy it, that means he lied to me and said he didn't enjoy it. And then what? What are you going to do? Fill in the blank. Visualize that in your mind. Go through it. In your mind's eye, just visualize you going up to him saying, you lied to me. You said you didn't enjoy it. What's he going to say? Let's just say he says, well, you were so upset about it and it was fairly innocent, but yeah, I did enjoy it, but I realized that I, I wanted you in my life and I thought we were not exclusive with it. I mean, that could be his argument. So now what? What are you going to say then? Well, you shouldn't have lied to me. Well, then, you know, I did and I'm sorry. Well, what are you going to say then? What are you going to do? And I'm pushing you. I'm trying to really push you to the limit because I really think you have to try this on in your mind and get yourself in that place where you finally find out. This is like um, when I was with my first long-term girlfriend, I thought, well, did she cheat on me? Did that happen? And so I imagined, okay, what if she did? What if she did? What am I going to think? How am I going to feel? What am I going to do next? The part that's what am I going to do next? That part is important. It's important to figure that out because if you say, well, I would break up with him. That's a, a huge step. But I would ask you to consider who he is today compared to who you believed he was or who he was back then. It's so important to consider that because I hear this a lot, especially from younger people, including myself when I was young. I would um, get a potential partner and think, boy, I hope she didn't have an active sex life before me. Selfish. <laughs> it was like that was her life no matter what she did. But I would think that I hope she wasn't promiscuous because I want all natural. You know, I, I wanted somebody that was pure and innocent, which is ridiculous because we all live our own lives. We all do our own things. And when I was young, I thought that was the best thing to get or whatever. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I was young and I thought that's what I wanted. And then I did meet somebody who was promiscuous and realized, wow, if I continue holding that against them, that they may have had more partners than me, then I will n probably never get somebody that I really love and really want. And um, I mean, it's possible I could. But it took me a couple of relationships to realize if I'm continually judging their past 
I can't enjoy who they are today. I'm always looking at who they used to be, whether it was good or bad, right or wrong, moral or immoral, doesn't matter because how they're showing up today is who they are. And it would only be based on my own criteria about good or bad, right and wrong, moral or immoral. Meaning I could look at somebody's past and go, well, that's immoral. You shouldn't be doing that. Or that's wrong. But I'm not judging them. And, you know, I'm not saying judging is a good thing, but I'm not judging them today for who they are today. I'm not being discerning. I'm not discerning them from who they used to be or how they used to show up. Not that it's any of my business. It's not my business how they showed up back then. Because how are they showing up today? And so this is one of those moments in my past where I looked at um, how I was being judgmental and critical about somebody else's past, judging them for who they used to be and how they used to show up. Whether it was right or wrong in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. I judged these people and said that in my mind that they were doing the wrong thing. But it didn't matter because if I had a problem with their past, then I shouldn't be with them. I I shouldn't. I mean, let me rephrase that. I shouldn't complain about it being with them because it was their past. And if they have to pay me for their past, meaning if they owe me an explanation for their past, then they're probably with the wrong guy. That's I'm being harsh now because this woman who wrote, if you are blaming him for his past, you're probably with the wrong guy. What does that mean? Does that mean you should break? No, I'm saying that it's important to consider what you bring into the relationship today and how you see that person today. Because as you stare at someone's past, you will always find something you can judge. And when you do that, when you are judging someone's past, then they can never be who they are with you. They can only be who they were. And by continually obsessing about who they were, it keeps them as that person. And in fact, I mean, in your eyes, it'll in your perception, it'll keep them as that person. And it may also push them to be that person again. So this is a self-fulfilling prophecy is that you give someone a hard time for who they were, they are more likely to be who they were because you're pushing them so hard that they get to the point where they say, well, fine, if that's who you think I am, then that's who I'm going to be. My fiance Asha said this to her dad, or at least said this in her mind when she was younger, when her dad was giving her a hard time. She was younger and she was being responsible, taking birth control. So she was having sex as a teenager, but she thought she was doing the responsible thing and, you know, just trying to stay safe and having a single partner and, you know, really working on trying to have a healthy relationship. And her dad found the birth control and I don't know, I don't know if he called her a slut or a whore. It was, it was pretty bad though. And it made her realize that, Her dad didn't see all the responsible things that she was doing. He just thought that she was being disgusting and slutty and all this other stuff. And she said, well, fine, if that's how you see me, that's how I'll be. And she went crazy and drinking and lots of sex. And, uh, you know, I'm 
sharing a lot of stuff about her right now that she has been okay sharing on the air before. If you've ever heard uh, my episodes where she talks about her own childhood and sexual abuse and things like that. But that was the moment she changed is that his perception of her is who she became. Because she said, if if you see me that way, I might as well be that way. I might as well go party it up. And so she did. And she had a few years of that. And, you know, it. she, I don't know if she regrets it, but she said it, it wasn't very safe. It wasn't very safe how she acted. And um, then she grew up, she went to college and she she didn't like being that way. So she went through a change herself. But this is what we can do to people. We can push them into being who we don't want them to be or who we uh, judge them for being in their past by the fact that we can't get over something they did in their past. And when we judge people for what they did in their past, not how they're showing up today, we are running the risk that they could become somebody that we don't want them to be. And um, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is when you are doing things that create the very thing that you don't want to happen. And when you do that, you will not be happy with the results. In fact, it will become a justification for you. And this is what can happen too when we have obsessive thinking and we're giving somebody grief about how they used to show up or what they did in the past is that it can become part of our way of thinking, part of our philosophy, so that we can say, aha, look, I'm justifying my thoughts because you're doing what you used to do in the past and you admitted to what I was obsessing about, what I was thinking about, you admitted to it, which justifies my thought. And that's another way to look at obsessive thinking is that we're trying to justify our beliefs or our thoughts about a situation or a person that if we can justify it, we can also get closure. And that's a a very challenging position to be in. If you are having obsessive thinking for the reason that you want to justify that thinking, that will be a self-perpetuating cycle. It'll repeat over and over again. You can have the thought, or at least this person who wrote could have the thought, I know he enjoyed that kiss, or I, I want to believe that he didn't, but I just think he did, and I, I just can't stop thinking about it. That's why I pushed you to the limit and said, what if he did? What if he really enjoyed it? What if he wanted more? But let's just say that's all true. What does he want now? So you can either look at who he was and what he wanted then, or look at who he is today and what he wants now. If he wanted it then, obviously he's changed. He's shifted. He's changed his focus. He's changed his desires or his desires changed automatically because he realized what he had in you. And so we can obsessively create or manifest what we don't want in our life because we're obsessive. And if we are trying to justify our thoughts and it's almost as if we need to get to that point of full justification where we can say, aha, I knew I was right, which I would then follow up with the question, why do you need to be right about this? Why do you want to be right about this? Is there something inside you that just wants to win this game that's being played in your head? I'm not saying that you're doing it on purpose. 
But this is why I push you to the limit is I take you to a place, the worst case scenario, so that you can consider all the options after you find out what you don't want to find out, but you sort of do. <laughs> you sort of do want to find out. It's sort of like, I don't want to believe he cheated on me, but I do want to find out if he cheated on me. So this could also do with the fact that you don't want to feel as if somebody betrayed you. And if that's the case, I do have an article at theoverwhelmedbrain.com called uh, Healing from Infidel Infidelity and a Common Warning Sign or something like that. And it's a very popular article and it, it really outlines what you need to do to heal from infidelity because the victim of infidelity, they have to get to the point where they can move on without constantly asking and hurting and you know, yelling at the person or getting angry at the person, there's a point where that has to stop if they're going to stay together. If you're not going to stay together, then you have every right to continue. But if you want to stay together and you want to be in this relationship and the other person is absolutely committed to working on the relationship and never doing that ever again, that, that act, then you can go forward together. But if one person is still stuck in the past, it's not going to work. I mean, there is about a six to 12 month window that the hurt and the anger and the upset has to come out. It has to be vented from the victim of infidelity. And that person can do and say almost anything to get it out of their system and call the other person names. And I mean, it, it can go that far, but if the other person has committed and is truly sorry and wants to move forward and they both want to work on the relationship, then I look at it as a six to 12 month window of being able to express and vent and get all that anger and upset out and have these honest, real, very hard conversations so that you can get it all out of your system and heal. This is all part of the healing process and move forward so that it is in the past and it stays in the past. It's, it's not something you forget. It's just something that you heal from so you can move on. And the moving on part, it typically takes with infidelity six to 12 months. And if, if it's after 12 months and the victim of the infidelity is still just as upset, just as angry and obsessively thinking about why did you do it? Why did you do it? Then the healing may never take place. Six to 12 months, it could be a little longer or a little shorter, but this is typically what I see. In six to 12 months, the victim of infidelity has to get to that point where they're good, where they feel good that the other person is now being honest and committed and they've changed and they'll never make this mistake. Or if it's not a mistake, something intentional, they'll never do it again. And they both feel good about moving forward and saving the relationship. It can work for those that are committed to it. But if it's beyond a year and the other person is still venting and still angry and maybe just as angry or maybe even more angry than as they were in the past, then there's usually something else going on and they can't let it go. And at that point, I don't recommend staying together because it's not going to heal. It's not getting better. It's just staying the same. There's no improvement. There's no progress that needs to, maybe both people need to separate and clear their heads and get straight with what they want in their life 
And if they can't see any resolution to that, or at least one of them can't see any resolution, then there may need to be a, a breakup and a divorce or whatever so that they can both move on. Because it's not a good relationship to have one person always angry. It's not a good relationship to have one person that's still upset about everything that happened after so long. I mean, you have a right to be upset. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm not invalidating that. You have a right to be upset if somebody betrays you or you believe they've betrayed you. And this person who wrote may believe that this person betrayed her. And it sounds like they had an understanding, or at least she had an understanding, that this was a monogamous relationship and not open. And he didn't have that understanding. I don't know if he used that as an excuse or... He really didn't have an understanding, but the way she described him in the email, he really seems committed to this relationship. And if that's the case, and if that's true, she will need to get to a point where she is moving forward from that. And in order to do that, the obsessive thinking has to stop. And in order for the obsessive thinking to stop, she might have to push herself to the limit. Okay, what if it's all true? What do I do now? Am I going to break up with him? What are you going to do? I mean, you push yourself to the limit, or at least I'm pushing you to the limit, presenting the worst case scenario so that you'll get to a deciding moment. And this is kind of where I want to leave this off. You have to get to that deciding moment. What are you going to do? And you can't say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, you have to get to the answer because the I don't know is part of the obsessive thinking. Well, if I find out that he enjoyed it, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, that's not, that's not good enough. You need to tell yourself. You need to think about this. Okay, let's just say he enjoyed it. What are you going to do? Are you going to approach him? Are you going to yell at him? Are you going to break up with him? What are you going to do? Come up with an answer. Push yourself to a conclusion. In this case of obsessive thinking, that's what I recommend. Push yourself to a conclusion. Because... The mind will continue to obsess as long as you don't have a conclusion in mind. That's, I'm going to leave you with that. The mind will continue to obsess as long as you don't have a conclusion in mind. When I was obsessive, my mind couldn't reach a conclusion because I never took it there. I couldn't get to a point of not obsessing because I never asked myself, well, what if she doesn't want me? This is after a breakup. I, I asked myself, what if she doesn't want me? What if she hates me? What are you going to do, Paul? What if she hates you now? Well, I don't want her to hate me, but what if she does? What if she hates you? What are you going to do then? And now what do I have to try on? I have to try on the worst case scenario. I have to try on the fact that she hates me. And then I put my head down and I feel really bad. And then I say, I say, that sucks. I don't want that. I'm really sad. I cry. But what am I going to do? Well, I, I guess um, I guess I'll move on. And just trying that on, just putting that in my mind, I guess I'll move on. That changes things. That shifts your perspective because you're finally getting to a conclusion. Whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. But you finally planted that seed in your mind. You got to a place in your mind, in your thoughts that you didn't want to go, but this is what obsessive thinking does. It keeps us from going where we don't want to go. And we put it there. We said, I don't want to go there, but that's what I would do. 
And then when you finally think of what you would do, you can open the door to new thoughts. Sometimes those new thoughts are not obsessive thoughts, but normal thoughts. Okay, well, if I move on, what's my next step? Because when we're obsessing, we don't think about all these next steps after the conclusion. We just stop. We're stuck. We're in a rut. And we think, uh, this. I have to know this first before I get to that conclusion. So I'm stuck here until that point. So I'm going to keep obsessing about it until that point. But no, push yourself beyond your stuck point and get to the conclusion. Uh, get to multiple conclusions. What if... It turns out that he really didn't like it and it was just a friendly thing. You know, I'm talking about the person who wrote the email. It was just a friendly kiss and uh, it didn't ever happen again. And they never really talked to each other anymore and they have no feelings for each other. What if that's true? What's your conclusion then? Where will you go with that? How do you feel? What are you going to do next? Well, how do I feel about that? Well, I feel better. Yeah. So what are you going to do next? Now that you feel better, what are you going to do next? Well, um, I never thought of that. <laughs> well, try it on right now. Well, I would probably um, just move on and love him for who he is today because now I feel better. How does it feel to feel better? Try that thought on. It feels really good. And so I like the idea of pushing obsessive thoughts to the limit, coming to the conclusion whether it's true or not, and then asking yourself, what are you going to do next? What's your next step? Because we never get to that very next step after the conclusion. And then when you get there, like I said, you're going to shift. Or you should. You should shift in your thinking and your logic. Your logic changes too. I remember doing this. I remember being at the um, the end of my marriage. My marriage was really rocky. It was ending. And... I I was I was the problem in the marriage. I was being hurtful to my wife and I finally we were separated and I was able to reflect on how I was behaving and realized oh my god I'm being so hurtful I'm being so critical I'm being so judgmental. That's the problem here. It's me. I finally realized I was the problem in the marriage and I finally said to myself I said well if I have a problem with her, maybe I'm the problem and not her because I have the problem with her. And so then I, I followed that up and asked myself, what if she never, ever changed? What would you do then, Paul? You know, you want her to change. You want her to stop doing things or start doing other things. But what if she never did? What if she was the exact same person from this point on and she never, ever changed? What are you going to do then, Paul? And I, I asked myself that clearly, and I came up with the thought that I didn't want to think, which is, well, I, I guess I'd leave. And as soon as I said that, I pushed myself past the point that I used to be in, the rut, got to the conclusion, I guess I'd leave. As soon as I said that, I shifted. I admitted something that I didn't want to admit. I got to that point. I had that thought. I let it show up in my mind. And I said, I guess I'd leave. And as soon as I said that, I shifted. The shift came in the form of a new thought that I hadn't had before, which was, why would I leave? Wait a minute. <laughs> I love her. Uh, do, would I really just throw away the entire marriage because I can't 
accept her for the way she is. And that really got me on a new track. And I changed. From that point on, I was no longer obsessing. I was no longer critical or judgmental. I stopped the obsessive process that I was going through and shifted gears. I was in a new state of mind. I was on a new track. And um, then I, she didn't experience my criticism or anything like that. It just stopped. Now, she fell out of love with me before that, so it was kind of over already. But I remember that shift. I remember when I stopped because I finally got past obsessing, obsessing, obsessing. And I finally pushed myself to that conclusion and then asked myself what was my next step after that conclusion was true. So that's my challenge to you. What if it's 100% true? Everything you are worried about, what are you going to do about it? What's the next step? And when you get to that point, that's when you'll start thinking differently. So I hope this helps. I hope I've given you something to chew on, something to think about. I promised myself I would never make another episode about obsessive thinking. But as I come up with new thoughts, new ideas, new approaches, I want to share them with you. And um, this was sort of a different approach than I've taken before. So again, I hope this was helpful. Thanks for listening. And thank you for joining me for another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank the patrons of the week, Maria, Dilek, Victoria, Brian, Sally, Andy, Christy, all of you. I'm very grateful for you. They found value in the show and they decided to give back. And if that's something you want to do too, totally optional, head over to moretob.com and there are ways to give back there as well. Thank you, patrons. I am so grateful for you. And if you want a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, I have that covered as well. Go to loveandabuse.com and I talk about how to navigate the difficult relationship, including controlling manipulative and emotionally abusive behavior. And um, that has been helpful for a lot of people. And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, head over to healedbeing.com and there are ways to um, heal from being the hurtful person. In fact, I have a, a comprehensive program that has helped many, many hundreds of people, maybe over a thousand now. Many people have taken the Healed Being program and have changed it. Gotten, they feel lighter. They feel better. And some have even salvaged their relationships on the brink of collapse. So that's over at HealedBeing.com if you are working on that in yourself. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. You know, I remember obsessing a lot in my 20s. I would just not stop thinking about things. And I remember getting to a point where I just said, this is such a freaking waste of time. I would obsess about like somebody who I wanted to like me. And the person clearly didn't want to be with me in that way, but I wanted to be with her. There's one person in particular I'm thinking of. And so I would um, always try to see her and, and try to reach out to her. And she didn't really want to talk to me. And it just took probably several times before I said, man, this is a waste of time. I'm wasting so much time when I could be doing other things. This wasn't obsessing about anything in the past. It was obsessing about something happening today. You know, I was saying, okay, you're missing out on the present, but... What happens when you waste the present on people that don't want to reciprocate? What happens when you spend all your time 
pursuing somebody or talking to somebody that doesn't seem to want to talk to you in this in the same format or same energy that you do. They, they're just not in the same space. And because they're not in the same space, you're putting in a ton of effort for very little in return. And I'm not saying that they should offer more. I'm saying that you need to gauge what you're offering or you're putting out there and ask yourself if you're getting that in return. Because if you're not, then you're probably, I hate to say it, wasting a lot of present precious moments. And if you are wasting the presence, then you're missing out. And missing out just means there are other avenues where you can put your energy and attention that will give you more feedback. Because if you're getting feedback from what you're doing now and you're not reading that feedback right, you're going to stay in a situation that might continue to take away the present for you. So what I mean by that is um, I remember pursuing this girl that I worked with and over and over again, she never gave what I put into it. She never wanted to connect with me. She never wanted to be my girlfriend, but I was continuously almost harassing her, really. I mean, I was young and stupid, but I, I was always there and I was always trying to get her attention, but it was never coming back in return. She didn't put that or any amount of energy back in return. And I can look at that now and think, why am I wasting my time? This is really pointless. So why don't I just put my time and energy into another avenue, whether that's another person or just stop working with this person, trying to get them to do something they really aren't interested in. This is how we have to think sometimes is that we put a lot of energy into something or someone and we're not getting the return, you know, the return on the investment. And because we're not getting the return, we're probably not enjoying our time with it. We're just hoping it works out. We're just hoping we can enjoy our time with it. And if it doesn't come back, I think it's really important to just assess what we're doing and figure out if this is a good use of our time. Because sometimes we can become a little obsessed and we get stuck hoping that things will work out. But there is a point where we have to admit that it's not working out and we should put our time into something else. You can apply that across the board in almost anything. Doesn't mean that it'll never work out. It just means there's a certain point in time where you've invested and you've invested and you've invested, but you're not getting it back. You're not getting that return back. So you have to consider that maybe you have to start putting your time and energy into something else. Doesn't mean like if you're in a relationship, you can't talk about it and say, hey, look, you know, I put a lot into this relationship and I don't feel like uh, I'm getting anything in return. I, I would don't necessarily recommend you say it that way, but you can have these conversations. Look, I don't, I don't ever feel connected to you. What's going on? You can have a conversation like that and hopefully you'll have a good outcome, but it needs to happen. You can't just let it continue going along the path with zero return or even negative return where you're actually losing more than you're gaining or um, it's just too much. It's draining you. So when it's draining you, then you're definitely in a bad situation that you probably have a conversation about. Lots to talk about there, lots to unpack. But um, again, I'm glad you stopped by. Thank you for joining me. Always keep an open mind. That's how you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. 
always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.